Welcome to the Nerd Tutorial Podcast, a podcast offering discussions and tutorials on nerdy subjects for people who aren't necessarily nerdy themselves. With you today, myself, is your nerdy tutor, George, and with me here today, RX-78 Master Pilot, Gundam Pilot, my mom. Hey. So, we talked about Gundam and SmackDown last week. We've been on Gundam for a little bit here now, as well as wrestling. So we're going to change gears a little bit to a to a slightly more newer topic. I, I like the gear reference, very Gundam of you. Very, very do try. Uh, we're going to talk about Batman. <laughs> now, when the idea of talking about comic books in general, especially American comic books, come up, it's hard to really describe the two genres here if you aren't already familiar with the movie series at all. Um, like so, like we've we've been rather blessed with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and I mean blessed in the sense that like it's a re- you know there is every opportunity in the world for these movies to come out horribly, every single opportunity, because and some and 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 to be honest, some have some some are not great movies like George Clooney's Batman was not well no that that that's DC okay so. DC's as Batman, Superman, and they've had their own recent attempts at their DC universe, um, with the exception of maybe like Wonder Woman, which was awesome. Wonder Woman. And, and, and Wonder Woman 1984 is also looking to become to be very good as well. Um, and surprisingly, a lot of people like Aquaman. I'm, I think it's an okay movie, but it very much leans on the Aquaman mythos, which is not a very rich narrative. Um, but it's got Jason Momoa. And all of this is Jason Momoa in this. Yes. I'm still I'm still waiting for this man to be of anything more interesting other than uh Oh, he doesn't have Drago. to be interesting. All he has to do is look at him. Okay, well, okay, that's, 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 okay fine. Okay. Um, He's got better hair than I do. So let me, let me describe the... D- the major difference between DC and Marvel is that Marvel's continuity is rather consistent and by that I mean that through its timeline the events of Marvel have always been like oh yeah when did this happen a few years ago you know what about this when in theory it took place like 20 years ago like when did when did Iron Man get back from from the from the Middle East or from Vietnam where when we had those wars oh a few years ago you know so like when did Captain America get unfrozen oh a few years ago so all this is kind of happening They've made it contemporary. They made it somewhat contemporary, but in the stories are unique enough that they can be told at different time frames. You know, they're and timely. They're very timely, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but like the characters are fairly consistent. Batman is not the same for for that particular level, but nor is the DC continuity either, because DC's continuity has done multiple line line shattering reimagining and variations on stuff. So DC Comics have had a number of crisis uh, storylines, which is where they kind of, every about decade or so, they kind of change the math and universe a little bit. So at like one point as an example, there was The Flash, and there was the, if you remember The Flash, he might, you if you remember back to like the 40s and 50s Flash, right. he might have had like a silver hat with little wings on it. He's meant to um, be provocative of... Uh, Artemis, the the god or of speed, Mercury. or Mercury, excuse me, the yeah. god of speed, and then modern incarnations of the Flash have him in like the full red suit, and eventually, what kind of happened was that both those characters existed at the same time, 
in parallel Earths, where they had like an Earth 1 and Earth 2, and eventually there was this giant multiverse, which is where I think the Marvel continuity kind of gets that as well. Um, and through some sort of shenanigans, DC decided, okay, we don't like all these alternate versions, we're going to smash everything together. And as a result of kind of smashing everything together, some characters died, like the original version of Supergirl died, but other characters got imported in, like um, the alternate version of uh, Supergirl, um, which I can't remember the name of her to save my li- to save my life. It's very what it's very it's much not Barbara, not not Barbara Gordon. No, no, yeah, okay. no. Um, it's Power Girl. That's what her name Power is. Okay. Uh, Power Girl with a literal, and I, I I don't like to phrase this properly with a literal boob window. She wear- <laughs> I do know exactly. You, you've got to post a picture of that. Yes. I, yes. I ha- so um, it's basically where it's just like a white leotard yep. with sl- with white long sleeves. And there's just a literal a hole where out. her chest is. Yeah. And their logic was is that that's that they originally gave her a symbol to be her symbol. And she's like, no, I'm not going to have a symbol because I'm better than that. She's supposed to be kind of a militant feminist as imagined in the 60s and 70s, I guess, rather. Um, or maybe even somewhat 80s even, but um, but Power Girl was, but she literally tore a hole in her chest to be like, that's my symbol, is me. So that's why she has a hole at where the top of her cleavage is. Uh, she's got a little bit of a, like a shoulder cape almost kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and a belt and boots. Like a shoulder frill. Yes, yeah. Um, but as an example, that's one of those things. And other continuities have had it where Superboy, which is the younger version of Superman, literally punched reality and changed it entirely that comes up one time in here in Batman. Um, and so to speak about Batman is not really to speak about storylines so much or or a continuous story because Batman has no continuous story. It's not like um, like Captain America as an example where he is constantly fighting with this notion that he's a somewhat a fish out of water but he's trying to make everything better or... Uh, the Hulk, which is always in a case of Bruce Banner trying to keep the Hulk, you know, under control, under control, and, and not under, and not let it destroy the rest of the society right. or anything. Um, Batman has just got a, a case against crime. Well, and and to me, Bat- Batman, aside from the Batman I grew up with, which was actually the TV show, the Adam West Batman, uh, yeah, Adam West, Adam West will always be Batman to me. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, aside from that, which was very campy. Um, Batman has always been to me very dark and and actually for me not particularly fun. Well, so if you go back to the Adam West Batman, as campy as it was, that was actually a fairly semi-accurate version of Batman for what the comics was. And a lot of people, especially of my generation, are hardwired to think that Batman is dark and serious and brooding yeah. and it's mean and evil. And it's like, that actually comes from a graphic novel called Batman Returns in which um, Frank Miller created this version of Batman that had retired because they outlawed superheroes. And the version of Batman that came back was this very older, grizzled sort of veteran Batman who really didn't want to give any shits anymore. Well, but if you go to the mic, I mean, what what year are you talking about with that? That would have been 1985. Okay, and when is Michael Keaton Batman? 1989. Okay, because because I find it dark. It is in in somewhat intentional and somewhat not. I mean, Joker's very 
dark and yeah it, it, it's a not to say that it's not a dark series but rather to say that the universe that's been painted at as of more recent of batman has been this dark and somewhat gritty sort of world because it's kind of what the audience that grew up with batman wa- kind of wanted and didn't realize that they had an option for um batman as a whole is not necessarily a dark character he was drawn with a lot more light and he was drawn in, in like the 50s and he starts back in 1939 wow and in he's had robin with him since like 11 months later after that but him and robin have been together as a kind of lighthearted thing up until the 60s and 70s and so it was a somewhat lighthearted affair beforehand with you know there could be some like undertones of dark and seriousness in them sometimes but they're always meant to be lighthearted because they were meant for children unfortunately the children grew up and as a lot of things do in a lot of cases they don't stay contemporary they keep going to their same audience and as a result your favorite loving things slowly got darker and darker and when we had frank miller we had kind of the one-two punch of frank miller's dark the dark knight returns and we also had watchmen if you which is also a really a great movie at this point like you can watch watchmen it's almost discreet it's almost one for one with the comic book it's Mm -hmm. an excellent comic book and movie but that really did show that there was an audience for this grittier darker world and the perfect stepping stone for that was batman and thus batman got darker and more grittier um can you be more grittier uh grittier just grittier i think you can but you have to go um to philadelphia to do it for the philadelphia flyers there you go because there's a mascot called gritty i've actually seen gritty it's very bizarre there's memes on him online it's amazing the orange guy yes weird Um, guy so rather than talk about Batman's storylines, because there are just individual storylines that don't make up a greater arc with Batman, uh-huh. as Batman stays in a constant fixed sort of position, yeah. I thought it better to talk about the characters of Batman. Okay. Well, if we can go back, though, for just a second sure. to, to this whole idea of, of who it's written for. Mm-hmm. I, I happened this weekend across a Batman cartoon, mm-hmm. which had... Um, the Joker and uh, Robin is what looked like a very young Robin and, and Batman and, and the Joker had, had perverted Robin and made him into a little Joker and was oh. having him shoot Batman. So you saw, okay, so you saw the Batman Beyond movie uh, Return of the Joker. Well, this was a cartoon. Yes. Okay, it was just dark yes yes oh yes so um so what the hell was i watching um um we can get to that here in just a second okay Um, all right so asked too soon okay no it's okay um so batman started out as detective comics number 27 in 1939 takes place in the city of gotham which is a sister city to metropolis where superman lives um if you can imagine it's kind of like where we're on one side, so one side of the bay, and they're on the other side of the bay. So it'd be like San Francisco versus Oakland. Okay. If you can imagine the distance between yeah. there, it's like a short two-hour drive, yeah. two-hour drive, give or take, maybe. Um, the storyline for um, Batman or Bruce Wayne, as we is he's most commonly known as, mm-hmm. um, is probably very well known. He's um, He's a very, very rich man who owns one of the largest you know, conglomerate corporations in, wholly owns it by himself. 
Um, there have been times in which he's either had to sell it or start new ones that it buys it back occasionally, but he owns Wayne Industries. Mm -hmm. um, he's unnecessarily rich. And handsome. Yeah, that too. Um, Always uh, handsome. Plays himself off as a philanthropist. A philanthropist. Philanthropist. Philanthropist and uh, playboy, but really has this deep-seated, dark sort of version of himself as Batman. Um, he is was driven to this life because when he was a little kid, he came out of a either a theater or playhouse or movie theater with his parents, and his parents were gunned down by crime. And as a result, he recognized you know that he wanted to fight crime as an adult. Um, and now, keep in mind, Batman has no superpowers whatsoever, unless you count money. He's very human. But he's got all those... It, um, he kind of reminds me of James Bond in that mm. he has all those... Um, Gadgets and toys, yeah. yes. So, and um, the cool car. So I'm going to use this phrase, and I don't mean to offend anybody when I say it, but Bruce Wayne is a Mary Sue. Okay. Um, if we go back in time to our fanfic yeah. days, Mary, yeah. Mary Sue being a character that is... Almost perfect in every way. Knows how to do just about anything with no real prior knowledge just of it. Just inherently knows. Just inherently perfect in every single way. Able to get out of almost every situation. Batman is a Mary Sue. I yeah. said it. Come fight me. Yep. Yeah. No, totally get it. <coughs> okay. I like, mean, who creates all these gadgets for him? It's never well, first, explained. That's that's one that's one of the different things I have here. Um, if you look at, he has no superpowers. If you want to say his superpower is his intellect and his intelligence... But if you look at it, he studied criminology. Criminology, yeah. He studied software engineering and computer engineering to a lesser degree because he's some sort of, you know, he's, he can hack into stuff and he can manipulate through files and other stuff. He's a, he's he's got experience and knowledge in chemistry, biology, physics, psychology. He's also like a master acrobat. He's a world trained martial arts master. I mean, in the DC universe, there's only like two or three people that are better martial artists than him one of them being one of his one of his enemies which has been around for 700 years so he's had time to practice <laughs> um, and the other one which is a woman by the name of Black Canary who I desperately love and wish she would have her own movie okay um, she wears a, for for lack of a better fray, way of describing Black Canary um, imagine a gorgeous bombshell woman so not modeled after me. Not yeah, very much like after yourself. Um, in a bunny suit, without the bunny tail and the bunny ears, a leather jacket, and instead of like the high heels, she's probably wearing like, like combat boots, but heeled boots as well. Um, she's a master um, at martial arts. She's considered like the greatest martial artist ever. Um, and her superpower is that when she screams, it's like a siren going off. Cool trick. Yeah. So, like, basically her voice can shatter glass from distances away and basically break stuff easily. Um, again, like, kind of a cool... It, it, she's got a very cool look at the end of the day, too. She really does. Um, my, my One of my favorite DC characters, so... Well, and, and the thing is... The, I mean, the other thing that you didn't mention when you mentioned all the different traits that, that Bruce Wayne has mm -hmm. is, you know, he'd be awesome on Jeopardy because he's forever having to, to answer all these questions. Bizarre questions, yeah. Yeah, bizarre questions and, and, and forced to have this sort of bizarre encyclopedic knowledge. Knowledge, yes. And, and also, again, if you can think about it as well, he's also considered to be at peak human performance for a man of his age, which depending on what 
version of the comics your story he's in, he can be in his late twenty, mid to late twenties to like his early forties. See, I always figure he's about forty. Yeah, give or take. Yeah. Um, he is uh, won't will not kill. Doesn't take a life at all. Uh, that's his big code of ethics. He also doesn't use guns at all. Um, and he ha- again because he's so traumatized from somebody shooting at him, his shooting at his parents, he parents, won't use yeah. a gun. Um, if you wanted to list his uh, paraphernalia, I mean, like that's probably going to be his bat suit and his Batmobile, along with the Bat Cave. Um, the Bat suit itself is or the Bat computers in the Bat Cave. Yeah. Um, so the Bat suit itself is primarily a very thin, meant to be a very thin cloth. But it's lined with Kevlar and various other cloth-based armor to... You can't... It won't deflect a bullet and it won't stop a bullet, but it will lessen the impact of a bullet. Yeah. Um, The symbol on his chest, depending on what version of your reading of it, might be a yellow bat symbol or might be this, like, wide black sort of bat look. That is intentional, actually. Different stories have played it off as that yellow symbol being a target for bad guys to shoot at but it is also like the hardest part of his costume because it's actual metal or something. Oh. So the intention of that having the symbol on his character on him somewhere is intentional for villains for bad guys to shoot at that because they think, oh well, I can aim for that bright yellow piece right there because I can see it so easily, and if it does hit it, it's meant to be like so, so well protected there that they won't actually hit it at all. Okay, so like a chest plate. Yeah. Um, his uh mask that he wears has got little his little cowls actually have a purpose as well they're radio antenna built into them and he has ears he has ear guards on him that also have radios so he can talk to other people uh, most likely Alfred or other uh, people that are with him easily mm-hmm. um, he has um, fins or blade catcher kind of things on his on arms his, yeah like on a on, what they remind me of is the wild west if you look like at, the, at the, Buffalo the Bill Cody or some somebody who had the had tassels the, and stuff on his arms, but no, they weren't tassels. They were literally um, like well, like spikes. They had hard to hard to describe. Yeah, they were leather. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's no way to really describe it. I've gauntlets. Looked, I look well. They're gauntlets in general, but I looked for like a good hour and I couldn't find what they're technically called. Okay. Um, but they're they're designed to catch blades and also to help him in climbing. Apparently, really. I mean, in the well, movie, he's got he's got the the bat cable, the bat. He, he's got um, he's got his utility belt and grapple hook. His grapple hook. There he's got go. his very thick and very hard to cut lines on there that he uses very frequently. Um, his cape as well is meant for to glide and also to give this vestige of a giant bat creature. But he also uses it for stealth as he kind of like hides himself underneath it um, and just has his head poking out in a lot of cases. Um, then you also got the Batmobile. Um, in this case here, it's original incarnations of it were just cars with a bat with a bat hood on it. Uh-huh. Um, and then later as... And what actually happened was this is a 1989 Batman movie came out and they were like, oh, wait, the Batmobile could be a whole lot more. Because the Batmobile used to have, like, little bits of gadgets here and there, but they looked like roadsters for the most part. Roadsters and traditional cars. Well, okay, so, so and I'm hearkening back to the Batmobile in the in the 60s TV show, mm-hmm. which was very, very... Bizarre, bubble, well, But, it, yeah, it was, it was a, sort of a... 
convertible. Yeah. Ad- again, the Adam West Batman also kind of helped that along as well. Yeah. Um, but again, I mean, like, if it, the Adam West Batman, like, the Batmobile for itself was, if you just took off that top fringes, was basically a roadster. Yeah. You know, or a, or a nice convertible in that case, maybe. Yeah. So, big. Um, my, my image of it was that it was big. I once saw a touring show in Los Angeles with the Batmobiles and Bat paraphernalia in it. Uh-huh. Very cool. That would be. They had all the movie versions of, they had all the live action versions of the Batmobile there from Adam West to um, the 1989 Batmobile and then um, the more more recent incarnations from like Batman Forever and Batman uh, Begins in the Dark Knight. So it was very cool. That would be cool. Um, And then he's also had various other things like planes, boats, submarines, motorcycles as well. Submarines? Yes. Yeah, he, he, he has a bat helicopter too. Well, bat helicopter I get, but what the world do you need a submarine for? I don't have a good answer for that. Okay. Um, and then you also have like the bat cave, which is technically underneath Wayne Manor, um, and different depending on which incarnation of the show, of the of Batman you're reading into or watching. Uh-huh. Sometimes the bat cave is a is just an actual cave. Other times it was. Meant to be like a military bunker during the Civil War, um, and they've had different incarnations of it. Typically, more modern incarnations have seen it basically go to the library. There's a clock, and you either, and the clock moves to the side when you set it to the right time, so you can enter in yeah. to the Bat Cave, and then you walk down this narrow corridor. And you don't the, slide down. Well, in some cases, you could, okay. and depending in, in some incarnations. Just, just checking though, it out yeah. in Batman in Adam West Batman. Um, and it's one part, the Becky is one part museum, another part, uh, lab and another part computer lab. So like you have the obvious back computer, which is this ominous computer that cycles through everything high tech in every single way. Um, then you have the laboratory section, which has got like all is like biochemistry sort of stuff, doctors, operating tables, stuff like that. Um, you obviously have the place for the bat vehicles, but then you have this history of different bat, of different paraphernalia that he's collected from villains. Um, so you have like, if they were using like a major heist or major sort of event, like he has it there. Like, so there's one story that has him dealing with this giant copper penny that he now has. Um, he has. Uh, so that doesn't become evidence for. Uh... Well, the, he somehow takes the evidence. I don't okay. know how or why. He's got. Okay. Um, in, there's a T Rex in there from another crime spree. He's got um, stuff from like the Joker and other other villains Mr. in there. Mr. Freeze. Yep, he's got Mr. Freeze's gun. Um, he's got just a nice cornucopia of stuff in there that's more. Re- rem- like, they would be better suited for a museum, probably. So now, a, a question. Sure. How many people work for Batman? Because because you're talking about all of the maintenance that it requires to have all that stuff. So the the so the best way to describe that is that Alfred. And Alfred's just one guy. Yes. Um, in more recent incarnations, they've actually added a third person named Lucius Fox. Who is uh, like the gadget guy and the tech guy behind Batman? So he's Q. Uh, basically Q, yeah. So he helps create a lot of the gadgets and procure them. 
um, as well as he's made various bat suits as necessary, batmobiles and other accoutrements, um, basically as a third-party element for Batman to get stuff through. See, and I find I find Iron Man who who like I, I think there are lots of parallels between Iron Man and Batman. Yes, because um, because they're both actually men, mm-hmm. and they don't have any superpowers, superpowers of nature. Okay, so so they're both actually men, and they're wealthy men who have taken advantage of the fact that they inherited large companies mm-hmm. and wealth. Uh, huh? Large companies with wealth. Large, they're just ops. Uh, and, and they ha- and, and they both have a a. Um, a moral duty that they feel like they're upholding. They're different moral duties, but they both have moral duties. Absolutely. And and, and uh, Stark doesn't care about killing people. So um, I'd like to think so, but well, generally he, he did a th- he did a very big snap. I think you you can't kill a, lot, a whole lot more after that. True. Yeah. So so um so if you um if you look at at them. It made it always made more sense to me that Iron Man could create all these things because Iron Man has dark industries and have people working on these technologies. You see people working on these. And in, in his original degree, actually, in Iron Man's case, was that he was actually went to school for engineering. He went yeah. for mechanical engineering and industrial engineering. And he was born into an engineering family. Yeah. And so, and so the notion that he would be able to create robots or have robots kind of working for him made sense. Um, that could that he could design this stuff in his spare time, automate it to a certain extent that he could just say, "I want to do this, this, and this," and the computer would be like, "Okay, well, let me work on that for you." Yeah. Um, or at worst, he could have people in his company doing that. He Iron Man generally didn't when he could avoid it because he didn't want other people developing having, the technology, technology and then eventually. But, but but you do get some acknowledgement that there are other people working. They're working him for him, him, yeah, and with him. Um, whereas Batman, I don't, I don't. No, I mean, and and so it always seems a little too convenient. Yes, very much. Again, Alfred being this expert, similar expertise in biology and physics, maybe not so much with psychology, but also understanding. You know, he's also been trained as a doctor as well. At one point, he's been a a hunter. Then what is he doing working as somebody's butler? Just asking. Well, again, I, again, I mean, like, I, there, there, there have been stories where, where that have tried to explain Alfred as as a former mercenary, and that he got disingenuous with his lifestyle and decided that the best thing for for him to do was to go completely one eighty and try to become a nobody. Um, also, because he might have been trying to hide from other organizations, hide in sight, yeah, um, or he just didn't want to be in that lifestyle anymore and came to become a butler for the Wayne family um, and that just kind of happened where his life was you know he's, his promise at the end of the day was to Martha and Thomas Wayne Bruce Wayne's parents that he would take care of Master Wayne at all for the rest for all okay so how old was Bruce Wayne when his parents died now depending on the variation on the story he was either six years old up to ten years old Okay, so it wasn't a relative that took him in, it was Alfred? Yes, because the Waynes don't have any family. Well, that's pretty lonely. That, that, um, that we are aware of in the comics. Okay, so they don't have any family, and rather than him being going into foster care, Alfred well, takes him. Well, well, I mean, at that point here, like he's like the richest kid. Well, yeah, no, I get that, but I'm just saying, um, do you, would, would you you know, have your child raised by the butler? 
the butler that they it it was in the will apparently the butler was so well respected the mercenary butler who who might have been hiding out from other criminals again i mean like this is i'm just i'm just asking well, the well, question well, you you're what you're you're skipping an entire part of why batman doesn't need to exist to begin with though okay is that um if you were to ask me batman doesn't need to exist period if you're a person of Bruce, Bruce Wayne's intellect, intelligence, and money, much less also his business sense, because remember, he did go to school for business originally, so he could yeah. take over his business, you would figure out that, okay, criminals need what? Money. They're not doing this just for fun. They need money. So why don't I, you know, at worst, he could spend, you know, a portion of his, of his vast wealth, which is ever-increasing in the comics, to just put everybody in room and board. He could, he could very well go into Gotham and be like, I'm going to open up dozens of factories and I'm going to give everybody who needs jobs jobs. And well-paying jobs as well. And jobs that would just multiply in an infinitum because when people have money, they want to spend that money, so you need more businesses like grocery stores. Economies, yeah. yeah and you, you could just thrive the entire economy. He could just pay... You know, or at worst, even if he still is Batman, he could very well give Gotham police all sorts of different of his various crime fighting tools. He give him access to all of his databases that he has. He could build them a CSI unit. He could build them all sorts of great things. He could give them the best amount of pay in the world. You know, there's so many things as a rich person Batman could do, and yet this is how he decides to do it. He doesn't share, and he's very much of his own belief. There are many stories that later point out that Batman might very well be a psychopath, and that his that is vendetta against criminals by scaring them, beating them up to nearly a pulp, is his his rage is his rage and his revenge for them taking his parents when he was young. Right, that's always played off of. Yes, so but um, they paint. There's some stories that paint Batman as the bad guy. Well, so so he, so he, a couple of interesting things to me. Okay, so if he has no family and he's been raised by a household servant, who he, he then, rather than allowing that servant to remain a parent, ends ends up um, ordering that servant around. I don't know how best to put that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they, you know, roles trade at some point, which never an easy thing to have happen. No. And yet he wants to have a son and brings up. Uh, Robin? So actually now is a good time to get into the Robins. Because okay. there's multiple Robins. Um, Rock and Robin. So Robin is always depicted as this kid in a red, yellow, green, and black costume, always with a red R on his chest, always with black hair too. Yeah. Um, the male ones at least. Yeah. Oh, there, uh, there are female ones? There was there. There's a famous one, there's a famous female one in The Dark Knight Returns. Okay. And then there is a short-term Robin that a lot of people don't even really count as a Robin, but she's technically held the mantle of Robin. Um, so the one we all know is Dick Grayson. It's the first yeah. Robin from 1940. Um, his parents were... Uh, he was a part of a circus with his parents. They were trepees and... Uh, part of a circus? He, okay. The Flying Graysons were a part of a circus that were okay. well-known for their trepees and tight wire and high wire stunts. Okay. Um, but his parents died due to some shenanigans with the mob and the circus. Um, right in front of him, Bruce Wayne being at that event um, 
took pity on the kid and realized saw a lot of himself in that kid as well because he's lost his parents as well yeah. to crime. And and he was present when it happened. Mm-hmm. And yeah. decided, you know what, I'm going to take this kid in, and I'll make him my ward. He can, you know, make sure that he's taken care of. I don't want him to uh, turn out like I did, or I don't want him to be alone, and I want him to be taken care of at the end of the day. Yeah. And eventually trains him to be Robin at the end of the day as well. Um, if there was a Robin to die, if Batman were to retire, it's well believed that Dick Grayson would take up the mantle of Batman and has at one point too. Okay. Because um, there's an event where Batman is supposedly dies, and he takes, and then um, Dick Grayson actually takes up the role of Batman. Um, and actually hires a new Robin after that, too. Oh. Um, and eventually, but would, before all that happens, though, um, he becomes disillusioned with Batman's uh, fight for crime because he thinks Batman's too um, uh, too merciless and too, too gritty. Um, he thinks that Bruce Wayne, and, as Batman is gone, is not really fighting for crime, but more or less fighting for his own revenge at a certain point. Yeah. So he leaves and, and leaves the Robin mantle and becomes a character known as Nightwing. Um, and I've heard about Nightwing. Yes. Okay. Um, and what's unique, what I find about all the, the Robins, is that they often all portray an element of Batman or a different kind of element of Batman. In this, yeah. in Dick Grayson's case, it's his physical condition and acrobatic sort of peak ability sort of, yeah. sort of stuff. Dick Grayson is, on his own level, smart and intelligent as well, but... Um, but because if you were Bruce to, Wayne ed- educated him. Because Bruce Wayne educated him. But he's not one of those characters in which you'd be like, oh, Nightwing, yeah, he's the most intelligent guy of the Bat family. Okay. You know, like, he, if you were to scale, uh, scale of 9 to 10, he's probably like an 8 of intelligence, but, like, his conditioning is probably, like, an 11. Okay, that so, makes sense. Um, the next Robin we have is Jason Todd. This is a weird Todd. This is not a weird one, but this is the, kind of the most sad Robin. Okay. Um, so the second Robin um, actually had a very similar um, upbringing as Dick Grayson, where his parents were apparently a part of uh, trape- part of the circus and his parents died. Um, and so Bruce Wayne took him in. And then reality changed because Earths got merged together. So <laughs> okay. and what later incarnation and when it got re- when it got reconjigured, it was decided that, no, Jason Todd is actually the parent is actually the son of uh, a drug dealer, a drug dealer mobster, and his druggy wife. And his druggy wife, um, he is actually discovered by Batman because he was Dick Grayson, or because excuse me, Jason Todd was stealing the tires off the Batmobile. So a bit, bit older, Robin. Um, he would have been in his. He would have been like a teenager, or a little okay. bit more, like like twelve, like eleven. Because my sense years old. is always that, that Robin gets adopted by the time he's like ten. Yeah, that would be a good. Yeah. That would be a good, a good explanation. And then like a year or two later, he becomes Robin. Okay. Um, in this now, when Jason Todd was the Robin, was Robin, he was more rebellious. Robin, he um, would go above and beyond when it came to fighting. Um, he often ignored Batman's orders on occasions and did his own and kind of did what he thought was best in a lot of cases, some to success and some not to. Um, and this is also... Um, the, and the reason Batman chose let him be Robin at the end of the day was because he felt that if this, ki- if this kid doesn't get the training 
to become a hero and doesn't have that point in his life to be a hero, he's going to become a villain. He's going to just get a life of crime, and that's not... So he's saving him from the streets. Trying to save him from the streets, absolutely. Um, What ends up happening, though, is that in a very groundbreaking sort of thing, um, he dies. So Jason Todd dies. If you go back to the... uh, to the 80s here, and I want to say it's 1978, I want to say. And this is Batman Returns? Oh, no, this is just Batman in general. This is the original comic. Um, What ends up happening here is that uh, the fans don't like Jason Todd. Okay. To a very big point, they don't like Jason Todd at all. Um, They don't like... They like Dick Grayson. They like Dick Grayson because he was the good good Robin and... In the 70s the 70s and 80s, you know, you had your kind of more conservative sort of leanings in a lot of cases. They didn't like this rebellious Robin at all. So, so it was an anti-Reagan Robin. Kind of, very much, yeah. Um, and in a ground, in, and what ended up happening was that for whatever reason, the Joker became uh, the ambassador to Iran. Okay. I, I know, I know, I know. And kidnaps Robin, Jason Todd here, and yeah. beats him to an absolute pulp. Batman barely gets to him, and before he can get into the building to save Jason Todd, the building blows up. And then there was a number at the very end that said um, that you had to dial. It was a 900 number. Okay. So that's how you can tell you how old it is. Okay. And the notion was that if you dialed the number, you would. if you dialed one of the numbers, Jason, you got the vote that Jason Todd would live. If you dialed one of the other numbers, you voted that Jason Todd would die. Okay. The fans voted for death by a 150-vote margin. Wow. So it was very close. But they, they agreed that, hey, this would happen. And Jason Todd died. And okay. he was considered for a very long time Batman's greatest failure was the death of his he Robin. save him. Okay. Precisely. Um, but if we know anything from comic books, death is just a temporary status. Um, through the events of a, of a young boy named... Death is just a suggestion. It's, ju- it's just a point. It's just a status symbol, you know. Yeah. Like sometimes you're married, sometimes you're divorced. Sometimes you're single, sometimes you're dead, you know, like yeah. stuff like that. Got it. At least in comic books. Um, through the um, reality-changing events of Superboy Prime, where he punched the galaxy, and where he punched reality, reality so much that it split up again, and when it reconjigured itself, Jason Todd woke up in his coffin and became alive again. So we got like a Pangea thing going on, where worlds collide? Yes. Very much okay. so. Again, I mean, again, this is what ha- this is the crisis element that happens in Batman in the DC comics fairly regularly, where all their comics revolve around this crisis for six, seven, eight, nine months to up to a year, and then everything changes based off of what happened in those comics. And okay, can I ask a stupid question? Okay, so when we talk about the DC world and Marvel world, we're really talking about six or seven different characters. So when these things happen, is it happening in all those worlds or is it happening just in this one? So DC is like, um, so DC is like football and then Marvel is like basketball. So if something, so if something reality happening happens in basketball, it doesn't affect football at all. Okay. So only the stuff that happens in DC changes DC stuff. And it, right, right. Well, and so no, it, I understand it, that. And it, yeah, and it can manipulate sometimes dozens and hundreds of characters. In a lot of cases, it's meant to shake up the universe and to create sales for the comics because often when these reality crisis events happen, 
It's usually somebody that dies or some major death that happens or it's an element to um, either... Or something stale and you want to refresh it. Precisely, yeah. So I mean, Yeah, it, so it, I get that. But I'm just saying, okay, so name some other DC characters. Um... One example was uh, one example was uh, Hal Jordan, which is the Green Lantern. In a course of events, his uh, when actually when uh, Superman died, uh-huh. um, his city got destroyed, which was Coastal City. He ended becoming a bad guy called Parallax and became a bad guy. Over the course of this reality shaping co- uh, crisis, they brought him back to uh, he died and then was brought back to life. As a good guy, having been previously under a um, under, under under alien control by an evil parasite known as Parallax, Got it. Um, okay. uh, Kara Zor-El, which is the daughter, uh, which is the uh, niece of Superman, which is also commonly known as Batgirl, has had several variations of herself due to the crisis element. Like again, she died in one of the very first crises, replaced by Power Girl, and then others have come about because of crisis elements um the bat family has obviously has obviously had some different changes in here as well with jason todd and a couple other yeah. um events uh batman's death was a crisis on its own okay so so you're a fan yes okay how is that for you i mean how is, i mean it's it, it sounds to me a lot like um there there was a famous um primetime soap opera called dallas mm-hmm and in Dallas, there's the famous shower scene in which they've gone through a whole season of one thing having happened. The guy who's in I the rem- shower. I having, remember Dallas. Having died. And then um, Victoria Principal hears the shower running and goes and looks in the shower, and there's her husband who was dead. From and the, the whole. From season five, and from, we're now yeah. in season seven. We're now in season seven, and none of the things that happened in between actually happened. Yes. So and 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 for a lot of fans of Dallas, they lost it completely right there, because because it just was so ridiculous. It meant that everything that they had watched for the last year and invested themselves and in it was basically poof gone. Poof, it, gone. Didn't, it didn't mean didn't, anything. Didn't happen. So so how are comic book fans? I mean, is is that? It's, I mean, it sounds like that happens every what ten years or something like it, that. It feels like it happens every ten to fifteen years. We just okay. had one in. 2011 with the new 52 which was the 52 different comics that dc was publishing they re literally did a line-wide reset of them and a restart of them um the way dc comics explains it is that all this stuff did happen but either in a quicker interval or in a, or in a tighter frame so like one major event led to another major event and the reality crisis warping stuff either didn't happen or nobody remembers them happening outright right so so i get i get the philosophy i guess but as a but as a fan how do as i feel a fan, how do you feel about that i don't care okay I, well i mean that's that's a genuine answer well and i don't care because i'm just not that invested anymore it's it's so I mean, when you were invested when i was invested i still thought it was stupid because Every because it's not like where as an example here when we had Marvel's um, Civil War, yes, every single comic was involved in Civil War because it was involving all these different comics and all these yeah. different stuff. And at the end of it, everyone went about in their own ways, and certainly stuff changed for different characters, but they didn't ne- relegate and, ne- and neglect anything that previously had happened to them. 
And so with all this reality shaping kind of stuff here, like that's fine and dandy, but like when you change a lot of major stuff that happens, <clears throat> it just does it just makes it feel like as if because again, at the end of the day, Jason Todd dying is a big failure on Batman. Now, thankfully, when he comes back, he makes things more interesting for for Batman because when Jason Todd comes back, he becomes a he becomes a masked vigilante known as the Red Hood, and he's a very anti-hero to Batman, where he actively t- wields guns, shoots people down consistently, and he is a he is very much a well, I'm going to clean up Gotham's criminals by literally killing them. He's a vigilante guy. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, okay. So so if I if I think about it, in, you know, in in life in general, because I, mean, I get the principle. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, most things refresh. Yes. Um, I see it in all sorts of ways. Um, we go from having private offices to having open areas to having cubicles to having short desks to having cubicles again, and then back to private offices. I've seen that trend a couple times. Um, mid-century modern. So Re- rental videos. Well, the rental videos just died. Yeah. But, I mean, they were replaced by rental DVDs, but not quite as much. Floppy disks. Um, yeah, no, there are all sorts of things that have disappeared. But, I mean, I think um, within in any sort of anything that involves style, mm-hmm. um, there you get, I mean, like right now, mid-century modern furniture is really in. Mm-hmm. You could take your Yaya sofas and they'd be worth all sorts of money. Oh, yes. Now, we couldn't give them away. Um, five, At the time, yeah, five years ago, because mid-century, nobody would have wanted them. Yeah, mid-century modern was very dated and out of out of. And playing the long game of keeping them in storage would have been a costly venture. Yeah, so um, so you see, and you see it in women's fashion all the time. Mm-hmm. Although holy jeans, I'll never get. But um, yeah, and then it's not really a thing for me either. Yeah, but um, but. I guess it's necessary to refresh things so that you can make major changes and bring in new concepts. Yes. I get that. I think I would find it annoying. The best way I can describe it for you, for 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 maybe you maybe is you really love The Bachelor. Yes. And I I enjoy The Bachelor as well. You're very good at guessing who goes and stays. It's a meta contextual third third thing. You you have okay. to read the tea leaves. Oh, okay. Um but um Imagine, if you will, like it's watching a new season of Bachelor all the time. Uh-huh. They haven't not watched The Bachelorette at all, so you have no idea who the characters are. But the process is the same, and it's fun And it's fun to yeah. watch the process again. It's kind of the opposite in DC, where the characters are kind of the exact same, and they're still going on. But there's maybe a new direction they're going, or a new take on the characters that are being done. I just don't... I just love... I just would rather have these worldwide events not feel like they're always changing and shaping, reshaping the entire universe... Because it just because the characters are fine on their own. I mean, a lot of the stories are very self-contained stories. Because they always go back to like a neutral point. Much the same way if you watch, um, if you ever watch like Friends, for example, uh-huh. everyone when you start the new episode, everybody's back at the same page that we were at beforehand. They're you know, in the same apartment. They're in the they're same young. apartments. They're in the same relationships. It's not you know if you watch Two and a Half Men, it's still Charlie and, and Alan and Alan there, and maybe the kids there this day this week, or maybe he's not, because you know who knows what Judith, who knows what day of the week it is. We're, we'll for not Judith. watch the Aston Kutcher episodes; those are awful. No, when, once anyway. Char- once Charlie dies, he dies. He, yeah. There's no reason to watch Ashton Kutcher. Yeah, as, not, as much as he's a nice actor, but yeah. Um, well, I mean, I guess I guess to me it feels manipulative. It is. 
and that's and that's it's manipulative. It's 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 not shocking at all because we're all because we're because I mean as much as as much as we're all kind of on pin and needles, what's going to happen when it does happen? Mm-hmm. When we're done with the aftermath of it, we're just like, okay, great. Now all this really big high they're at. Now we can go back to these kind of middling stories that Having don't have plot, any plot weight. Along, yeah. And they don't really have any weight at all because you always know that like, okay, nothing's really going to change at all because it's not a crisis event and so nothing will really change. Well, I mean, I will say this for the, for the Batman series as a whole. It had really defined, really, for lack of a better word, likable villains. We'll get to the villains here in just a second, too. There's a, okay. Um, but let's finish up with our Robins here. Um, oh, and Jason Todd here. If you were to represent a, a tendency of Batman or an aspect of him, it'd probably be the psychopathic tendencies of Batman. Yeah. Because he had, when he becomes Red Hood, he becomes a very much a psychopath. Um, the next Robin is a Tim Drake. This would be in 1982, 83, when he becomes, the Red, when he becomes Robin. Um, he actually figures out who Batman is. Well, I always thought Robin was a ward of, ba- of, of in, in Bruce Wayne's. In, in this case here, Tim Drake figured out who Batman was because he had heard about the Flying Graysons and, and apparently either as a young kid or heard about it or saw a video of the Flying Graysons performing... Mm-hmm. And then when he saw Robin perform, do acrobatic sort of stuff, he recognized, huh, that's a really good acrobat. There was a kid about that age who would have been able to do that. Who was that? Oh, I remember seeing it. That was Dick Grayson. Who is Dick Grayson with now? He's with Bruce Wayne. Ta-da. Yeah. And, um, and so Tim Drake actually offers and convinces Batman to let him be Robin because in the interim for between Jason Todd died and him meeting Tim Drake... The Batman was being very violent. He was being uh, much more violent and ruthless um, and reckless about himself. And he actually, Tim offers to be Robin because he know not only a knows Batman's secret, but also wants Batman to be more uh, to be safer because upstanding, you know, upstanding yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, and Tim Drake's actually one of the few people actually. Um, he later becomes another character called the Red Robin, which is basically just a grown-up version of Robin is the best way to put mm-hmm. it. Um, he's also... Um, there's another villain later on. The one Remember who I said there was a seven year old, 700-year-old villain? Yeah. Um, his name is Raz al Ghul, and we'll talk about him a little bit later. He always addresses Batman, Batman as detective because he recognizes that Batman is the greatest detective of all time. He, that's the only other person that he addresses as detective is Tim Drake. Because okay. Tim Drake is also, if Tim Drake was going to represent an element of Batman, it would be his intellect and his detective skills. Now, is he a Mary Sue? I mean, what what is he? Well, Tim Drake is. Um, I don't remember the exact timeline of Tim Drake. I want to, if memory serves me correctly, his father was a gangster in kind of the same line as of uh, Jason Todd, and um, he. Tim Drake actually wanted to be Robin. He actually was active in training his body and studying, and he actually proposed to be Robin for Batman because he knew that Batman was in a bad place and needed, he, and needed, and needed a yeah. Robin to be there with him to kind of keep him on in level. Um, and so when we get to the next Batman, uh, Robin, excuse me, this would be Stephanie Brown, 
the canonical fourth Batman, but not uh, Robin, but not really Rob, not really a Robin. Okay. Um, she was the former girlfriend of Tim Drake as well. She was also her own uh, vigilante, known as Spoiler. Um, when at a certain point here, Tim Drake quits being Robin because, like a lot of Robins, they get disingenuous with what Batman's doing. Um, well, you want to move your life along. That too. Um, and Stephanie Brown actually convinces Batman to let her be Robin. She doesn't last too long, and she's actually fired by Batman. Oh, how do you fire? Because Robin knows secrets. Yes, but um, she was fired fired as, as Robin. Okay. Like he, Batman was actively like, no, you can't be Robin never again. Um, but she was she had also been a vigilante at her own at her by her own point at that point too. Okay. So she had a lot of uh, bad tendencies about herself that she that okay. she did. Um, what ended up happening though is that she also dies because she tried to prove to Batman that she could be Robin. And Batman had a plan um, to start a gang war that would eliminate a lot of the gang violence in Gotham because of this war. So they'd all shoot each other up? Well, not necessarily shoot each other up, but so much as that they would... Um, mean That the police could kind of swoop in and convict them of this gang war that they were planning and trying okay. to do. Um, and so you could clear up Gotham streets. They actually went through the actual gang war, and as a result, uh, Stephanie Brown died. Now, she didn't actually die... But the doctor who was who saved her life told Batman that she did die. The doctor's logic was is that if she if that if Robin died, it would stop other children from becoming Robin because not a lot of people knew then about because then it's unsafe. Yeah, and a lot of people didn't know about Jason Todd's death at all. Uh huh. Um, but the the intent the intention was is that if people knew about this Robin's death, that people would stop trying to be Robin. Um, she later was actually found to be alive. The doctor actually just hid that she was dead. Um, this girl and uh, Stephanie Brown's up becoming a uh, Batgirl for a time, uh, but goes back to just being spoiler on her own terms later on. Um, and then the last, the last Robin and the current Robin is a young man known as Damian Wayne, the biological son of Bruce Wayne, and another and another villain known as Talia Al Ghul, which is Ra's Al Ghul's. Uh, daughter. Okay. Um, so, Damian Wayne is a Batman has a very wealthy romance life. He's romanced a lot of women, a lot yeah. of villains as well. Good looking guy. Um, and so he has a child. He has a, he doesn't realize he's had a child. He's never known about it until the child's like eleven years, ten, eleven years old. So the, um, the bat condom didn't work. No. Okay. No, neither did the shark repellent either. But okay. Um, but Damian Wayne comes to live with Bat with Bruce Wayne because Talia Al Ghul is on the run, and she feels that her son will be safest with Batman. Uh, now, in the storyline, Batman ends up dying because of a crisis event that happens um, that doesn't necessarily rejigger rejigger everything this time, but so much as that um, he dies because he was fighting with uh, the Thanos of uh, DC Universe, which is known as Darkseid. Okay. okay. Um, and in the process. Um, when he died, Tim Drake, or excuse me, um, Dick Grayson, took up the mantle of Batman and anointed Damian Wayne as Robin. And what was interesting about their dynamic was that Dick Grayson was kind of a more lighthearted Batman, as kind of like you would have seen in like the 50s and 60s, because that was his Batman. So he's a bit more lighthearted, although he was still just as broody kind of Batman darkness. 
Damian Wayne is the violent, bleeding edge, kind of hardcore Robin. It's like what Batman would be if you turned his violence meter and his hardcore edginess and morality from, like, a 10 to, like, a 12. Ooh. Yeah, so, like, he's very militant, very much, you gotta, you know, the only way to defeat a criminal is to kill a criminal, because that's what he was taught. He was taught to be the perfect assassin. Not um, a nice guy. No, no, but he eventually mellows out when he realizes that, you know, his father's legacy was not to kill, and his father's legacy was this, and that if he wants to, you know, his, in... Well, he didn't know his father for very long. His father clearly showed that he loved him and wanted to do everything to protect him. And so if you want to honor your father, you have to live by the code of... You have to live by his code, which, as an 11-year-old, he kind of agrees to. Okay. Um, when Bruce Wayne eventually returns from his death, which actually got sent back in time. Again, don't ask me. It's dumb and weird. Okay. Um, well, now, I'm willing to suspend reality for this. Yeah. Um... He, uh, Dick Grayson returns back to being Nightwing, and Batman takes his son underneath as Robin, and they do crime fighting together, says father and son. How does Dick Grayson feel about that? um, Because Dick Dick Grayson's kind of been a surrogate son. Surrogate father, yeah. So, um, I mean, by this point here, like Dick Grayson's also in like his twenties as well. Okay. Uh, Or is I would say he's like his late twenties, where like Batman might be in his forties. Tim Drake is in like his. Maybe early twenties, maybe okay. maybe, and his son is like eleven, is like yeah. or maybe like eleven, twelve, thirteen or so. Okay, you know, like he he's been a rather successful as his own as Nightwing in a lot of cases too. So okay, um, so Fair those enough. are the Robins, but we have other people that are related to them. We have uh, Commissioner James Gordon. This mm-hmm. is basically Batman's best friend in the crime family in the crime fighting world because Commissioner of All Police. Um, has a lot of sway. They don't go actively hunting for the Batman. Um, and they often rely on working with the Batman in a lot of cases. Well, there's the Bat phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> which doesn't phone? exist in later versions, only in the Adam West version. But you wish oh, okay. it kind of well, would. What, what, okay, what about the, the Bat symbol the in bat the sky? Sing- the Bat signal does exist. That's That's been around for a long time. Okay. Um, in later incarnations of uh, Batman, James Gordon is kind of a little non-plus about Batman. Like, he thinks, like, okay, this guy's doing good, but he's a vigilante. He shouldn't be doing this, but yeah. he gets results, at least. And yeah, I'm not going to turn down the help. I'm not, not going to turn I'm down, down the not help. I'm comfortable with it, either. Precisely, yeah. Um, one of the more interesting characters is a young woman by the name of Barbara Gordon, J- uh, Commissioner Gordon's daughter. Right. And the Batgirl. Yeah. Now, what's interesting here is that Batgirl doesn't exist in the comics until the Adam West TV show. She actually migrated into Adam West into the from the Adam West TV show into, into the, the comics, comics. And which is there's another case of that happening here a little bit later on. Um, in the comics, the daughter of uh, police of Commissioner Gordon is actually a librarian. So she studies computer science and um, librarianing. Which is a degree you can get. I've, right, I have a right. friend who's a, who's a professional librarian. Yep. Um, and in fact, actually, he's supposed to be the head of the Gotham library system, which is supposedly supposed to be this really big library system at the end of the day with all this information. Um, and she becomes Batgirl kind of by accident. So she gets kind of a sexy Batman costume that's meant for a girl, and he actually, she actually stops somebody trying to abduct and kidnap Bruce Wayne. 
and ends up actually doing really good at it. Does she know who Bruce? No, she doesn't. No, no. she okay. she did it. She did it more or less because she thought it was the right thing to do. Her okay. father being a cop, she's kind of used to yeah. doing what she, she what yeah, would be the right thing. Um, Batman initially tries to stop her from being Batgirl, but eventually kind of is reluctant to being like, okay, yeah, you're actually kind of good at this, so sure, go ahead. Um, she's often the on and off again girlfriend of Dick Grayson as well, so you get a little bit of a love interest there. What's interesting about the character is that she had a rather revolutionary change to her at one point. So there's this famous uh, story called The Killing Joke. And in this story, um, it's basically the story of the Joker describing how all it takes is one bad day for a person to go absolutely insane like himself. And to do that, he basically figured out, um, he he knows who James Gordon is, it's not unknown of, and he basically goes to Barbara Gordon's apartment where James Gordon was at at the time and basically, when as soon as the door opens, she realizes who it is on the other side, and the Joker just shoots her straight in the stomach and to, through her spine. That doesn't seem very nice. The comic's not the comic uh, for what it was. Um, even the even the guy who wrote it here at this point here kind of laments the way that people have fantasized and the story because like it's a very kind of graphic sort of story at the end of the day for Batman and Joker. Um, one of the events that happened out of that, though, is that Barbara Gordon lost... And now, the graphic novel is supposed to be just a one-shot. It's not supposed to be, take place in continuity. It's just like a... Like a one-off. A, yeah, a one-off, I get that. Yeah. I get that. Um, but this was so well imp- was so well received that they actually continued it into the actual story. Okay. And Barbara Gordon became paralyzed from the waist down. And so, because she was paralyzed from the waist down, she couldn't be Batgirl anymore... So she took up a new name. She took up a new moniker. She became Oracle, which was this um, information broker and computer hacker extraordinaire. Um, she's basically like the um, not the Q, but uh, I'm trying to kind of like a. Um, I tra- like Q. I, Q's really fun. I like the older Q, not the newer one. Okay. Uh, he's a little too smarmy for my likings, but yeah, I get that. But he could grow into the role. Yeah. Um, trying to find a good example, but basically she's a an all-around computer tech, tech hacker slash information broker. Uh, she gathers up all this information and then funnels it to Batman. She can research all the stuff so Batman doesn't have to do it oh, on like his the own. Accountant. Yes. Okay. Um, she ends up actually starting her own superhero uh, group as well called The Birds of Prey, which is a movie coming out soon. Right. I uh, believe it's, it's already co- out, isn't it? Yeah. It's, I think I think it just came out. Just comes it either comes out this week or last week. Yeah. Um, and so one of those elements does have the black canary in it. She also a couple others. Um, and basically, it's an all female uh, superhero team that just fights crime in different places because obviously Batman's got Gotham covered. But well, she where's does, Harley Quinn in all this? She she'll come up actually here in just a second. Oh, okay. Um, eventually, as a result of the new Fifty Two reality shaking. Barbara Gordon gets the ability to walk again, and thus becomes Batgirl again. And again, so see. So 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 fans, diehard fans, are like cool with suspending reality and and re. Oh no! Oh no! Some of them are, and some of them aren't. Like, it, I'll have to tell you about. It's the, a little like it's a little like fanfic. Yes, it is. I mean, 
there was a lot of people that didn't like the killing joke and felt that putting Barbara Gordon in a wheelchair was very much a um, slap in the face to women because here was this woman who was this very proud, noble woman doing her job and they just basically relegated her to a side character that can't be heroic anymore. And there was an equal yeah. number of people that were very upset when she became, uh, when she got back her mobility. It was like, no, wait a second. Reanimated. Yeah. When she got her back her mobility, it was like, no, this character was this very much this great element of person who was paraplegic and she had all these abilities and, showed, and showed strength. A disab- disabled person with yeah. all this skill set. And all this skill set and that they, there was quite a bit and she was still equally like very capable of throwing batarangs and hitting people with stick, with nightsticks and she was still very much a, a capable fighter so long as she could move around. Yeah. Um, but that they took her, they took that away from people that for a lot of people that was, you know, a character they could relate to if you were a paraplegic or you were in a wheelchair. Yeah, nice to see, yeah. Yeah, like yeah, there was no, some, I, I get both sides of that. some good that kind of came out of that yeah. when, when she became paralyzed eventually. Uh, and so a lot of people took that to heart later on. Okay. Um, so yeah, there's that. But what is Batman without his rogues gallery, his villains? And we really can't talk about Batman without talking about the Joker. The Joker... So who was the best Joker? Oh, for me... Yeah. Oh. You have lots to choose from. I, but I already know what the answer is. What is it? It's Mark Hamill. Oh, okay. So I think what I was watching was... was it had Mark Hamill, yes. Yeah. So Mark So uh, Mark Hamill, who, if you don't know who that is, that's also Luke Skywalker. <laughs> um, famously, want, when they were doing the animated TV show for Batman, which is a great... which. Often described as one of being one of the best Batman interpretations that's been out there, and I would agree with it for the most part. The what I watched was really creepy. Yes, that one was a lot dark. Batman Beyond was a lot darker. Okay. Um, but the the series that came before that was also kind of they started with black paper and built colors on top of it, so it always was a little bit more darker than typical. Okay. Um, and it very much was representative of the nineteen uh, fifties, nineteen sixties kind of look of the 1989 Batman series, because that's what fueled the animated series. Okay. Um, but it's the most honest version of Batman that would have been from the comics. It's a great depiction of it. Um, there's also... It's very angular and, and very... Um, stilted, very yeah. very gothic looking at the end of the yeah. day. Yeah. That was, that was very much the intention. Um, I mean, it was... it was. Um, I don't want to say exquisite to look at, but... but um, very nice background. Yeah, absolutely. very very artfully done. Um, so when the production for for the Batman animated series comes up came up, Mark Hamill, who was a big Batman fan, wanted to be a part of it, and they offered him the role of the Joker. And he was like, "No, I can't do that because it's too much of a high profile role." He didn't want to mess it up. Come to find out that he's got the best interpretation of the Joker because his laugh wasn't just a canned laugh. His laugh was kind of like... Um, it's maniacal. It, well, it's not only is it maniacal, but it changes throughout different stuff that start off yeah. high and go low, and different laughter represents different kind of moods that the Joker's yeah. in. So like the Joker's kind of scheming. It's... <laughs> yeah. So it's yeah. kind of like a low and undertone that he's excited, it's joyous and bombastic. You know, like it's all over the top. And he's well known for like... Basically, stand, a lot of actors like to sit down when they're doing their their bits. He would stand up and get really animated. Mark Hamill would. Um, so there's that. Okay. Um, but Joker in himself is probably the most commonly known villain right. of Batman. Um, often known as the Clown Prince of Crime. He's a, 
Um, it has a number of different interpretations, which makes him unique because while other bad guys have kind of a one-note sort of interpretation on him, the Joker's got multiple variations on him. Yeah. Because um, we have, like, the Jack Nicholson sort of Joker, which is kind of like the mafia crime organization boss sort of Joker, like this, you know... This accidentally crim- falls into the vat. Yeah, and then yeah. you have um, Heath Ledger's Joker, which is like the psychotic, psychopath sort of, I just want to create crime... Um, you have this chaotic lunatic, which is kind of more like the Mark Hamill Joker, which is this constant sort of maniacal sort of whimsy of, look at me, I'm killing everybody and laughing about it at the same time. And then you yeah. have... Um, Joaquin Phoenix. Joaquin, see, I so I watched the Joker, and I actually didn't like Joaquin Phoenix as the Joker. Now, don't get me wrong, he it's an, it's an amazing performance, but... I mean, at the end of the day... It's not your Joker. It's not, it's not, my, it's not so much it's not my Joker, just like... It felt contrived at certain times, I guess, maybe. Um, it's still, again, it, the performance in it is an amazingly well-done performance. Like, nobody's chewing up the scenery and nobody's acting their heart out quite like um, quite like Joaquin Phoenix is. But, um, but if it was just a story about the Joker and not actually about Batman at all, I would have had a lot more respect for it because it feels as if, oh, we're trying to make it so Joaquin Phoenix gets to play the Joker in later Batman movies, maybe. Or, oh, we're really trying to set up how the Joker could have been created, maybe. Like, There's a lot of mixed reviews o- o- over yeah, that. Yeah, yeah and I, I... Again, I have mixed feelings on it as well. Um, what's interesting about Joker is, is that his backstory is never well established. He has multiple backstories. and it's At one point, he was a, supposed to be a struggling comedian who... Uh, donned like a red hooded sort of uh, maitre d' sort of look that had like this large red helmet in and because he couldn't take the helmet off he fell into the vat of acid that bleached his entire skin and hair and that's created and actually bleached his suit purple as well which is why he wears purple and turns him into the Joker Um, other times the Joker has just always existed he's never not existed at any particular given point Um, sometimes he's like the Heath Ledger Joker where he's always had like the cuts in his face that kind of give him the Gaslow uh, smile, which is what yeah. it's called. Um, but what's interesting about the Joker is that he has another character that migrated from a TV series, and that's Harley Quinn. Now, Harley Quinn didn't exist until the 90s when she was imported from the animated TV series into the actual comics. Um, in the animated series, she was just supposed to be a henchman. Um, and that had a couple lines and kind of like a quirky sort of henchman because the Joker in the animated series had quirky looking henchmen. They didn't look, yeah. you know, like if they were, they were, might've been clowns or something like that, but, yeah. but people like they really fell in love with Harley Quinn voice actress who did it. Um, who is, I believe Tara Strong, who does, who's always done an amazing job in a lot of other stuff. You might know, notice her from, uh, Twilight Sparkle. From My Little oh, Pony, I Tara like, Strong. Yeah, uh, she was also Bubbles from. Uh, oh, I like the Powderpuff Girls. From Powerpuff Girls, um, and she also did Harley Quinn, if memory serves me correctly. Okay. Um, and so um, she, Harley Quinn herself, is actually a woman named Harlan Harlan Quinzel. Okay. Um, and she was actually a former uh, therapist and psychologist at Arkham Asylum. Now, Arkham Asylum in itself is where all the super criminal, super bad guys go who are, like, the Joker. Psychotic, yeah. Psychotic and, and bizarre. 
But if you're just a regular criminal criminal, you go to somewhere else. You go to actual jail. Arkham Asylum yeah. is meant for, like, super bad, bad guys that have, like, defects <coughs> in them. And they're not just being bad guys. In this. Yeah. And Harley Quinn ends up falling in love with the Joker, mostly because the Joker manipulates her. Yeah. Um, as well highlighted in various stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually Harley Quinn dons the Harlequin sort of look and outfit and becomes the Joker's lover. Yeah. Yep, becomes Joker's lover and has merry adventures. Um, there have been depictions where she has a falling out with um, with uh, Mr. J, as she calls him. Okay. Um, and in the new Birds of Prey movie, it's going to be one of those situations where she's fallen out with the Joker as of recent, if memory okay. serves. So, um other other bad guy other guys we have is the penguin, um, not to be confused with the uh, Batman Returns penguin. They're almost two wholly different characters. Um, the penguin is a portly fella um, whose big gimmick was he used umbrellas and penguin themes. Well, I, mean, I loved the penguin in the '60s TV show. Yes, and that's very much what that's very that's a very accurate model of the penguin with the joke with the kind of. Uh, Gag umbrellas that have different yeah. sort of like either yeah. have a machine gun or makes him allow them to fly stuff like yeah. that. Um, his real name Oswald Cobblepot. Um, he's actually one of the few villains that Batman allows to exist in Gotham because Oswald Cobblepot has created a number of legitimate businesses that he runs his criminal organization out of, but Batman more frequently now uses him as an information broker and knowledge of what's happening in the underworld. So he kind of like allows him to exist as a necessary sort of evil at this point. So he's point. kind of a snitch. Yes, he's very much a snitch. Snitch. Okay. Um, or at least so much as that he can use the organization to follow and see what other criminal stuff is happening, or he can go into the skies and kind of hang out in yeah. his businesses to hear what's going on. Um, another one here is the Riddler. We saw him classically portrayed by Jim Carrey in Batman uh, Forever, or mm-hmm. Bat- Batman Forever. Yes. Yeah. Um, Edward uh, Edward Nigma is his true name. He is a super level genius who's hell bent on proving his genius to the world. Um, however, Batman constantly beats him at this at this intellect level. Um, again, if you have such a genius intellect, why don't you tell who Batman is? The logic being that the reason why the Riddler actually has figured out who Batman is, but if he's the only guy who knows it, he's the smartest guy in the world. Yeah. So. Um, we have Catwoman, real name Selina Kyle. Um, she's also one of the few people that Batman allows to exist as a villain just out there in the world because she's a sometimes lover of Bat- with Batman. Selina Kyle is just a is just a burglar at the end of the day. Okay, so when you say a lover, mm-hmm. I mean is it depicted in the in the in the graphic novels that way? Um, in in the comic books, yes. Sometimes she's a romantic love interest of Batman. Okay. Sometimes they are working together. Sometimes they are on opposite opposing ends. Um, usually, whenever they're, whenever Selina Kyle is around Batman, she's very flirtatious and teasing with him. Um, they have been depicted as having children before. Okay. Um, and so, she in all in all in all reality, she is just a really talented burglar and thief. Okay. Who has a cat theme and a whip? Well, you know. Because you kind of have to have a theme when you're in Gotham. You can have props. So, um, the next one is one of my favorite, which is uh, Two Face. Um, his for- real name Harvey Dent. He was actually the former district attorney for Gotham, and in a court case where Batman was unable to save him, his face is 
uh, splashed with acid, so his left side of his face is uh, mutated and gnarly yeah. looking and melted yeah. by the acid. Um, and he takes on a very... Uh, he actually takes on a completely different persona, which is the Two-Face persona, where he basically does crime in order to just make money at the end of the day, but he judges everything based off of a coin, which has a heads and tails on it. So all of his crimes are based off of whether he you live or die, or whether we go to the left the or the right, yeah. based on a coin flip. That's an interesting uh, storyline, yeah. yeah. Um, he's often depicted as trying to... Batman wants to really help him, because... Harvey Dent was a former friend of both Bruce Wayne and an ally of Gotham at the end of the day. Yeah. Batman would really like to reform him to get him back to a better place. Um, we have Mr. Nice Freeze. We have Mr. Freeze, uh, real name Victor Freeze. He is a former uh, expert in cryogenics. Um, he actually put his wife on ice in order to give him enough time and society enough time to find a cure for a terminal disease that his wife has. Um, and as, as a result of an accident uh, with the cryo-freeze technology, his entire body becomes so cold that if he um, doesn't wear a cold suit, he will actually burn up and die. Um, and his powers and crimes are usually revolving around ice. Um, he has a freeze gun that freezes stuff on contact, usually. Um, his big deal is he's trying to he does crime in order to make money so he can continue his research to save his wife. Got it. Um the next one here we have is a gentleman by the name of Bane. We don't actually know his real name. His, he is a criminal mastermind as well, of genius intellect, um, that is actually addicted to a, to a drug named Venom. And the drug actually turns you into Hulk. Not Hulk in the, in the sense that, like, like a Hulkish sort of body-like. Yeah. So you retain all this genius-level intellect. We're not talking, talking about Banner. Not Bruce Banner, no. But you get to, like, the proportions of the Hulk with, like, super strong muscles, like, gigantic somewhat proportions, tiny head, if you can say that. Um, okay. But he's well known for breaking breaking the Batman because he actually, as a famous scene, actually breaks Batman's back and puts Batman out of commission for a period of time. Um, Batman eventually uh, repairs himself and takes back his mantle, um, but... Bane is the first person to ever actually break the Batman. Um, let's see here. We have Poison Ivy, who's another fun character. Um, Pamela Isley, she's an eco-terrorist. Um, she has, <clears throat> depending on and which... ahead of her time. Yes. I always thought it was interesting that that was a character, if, if you think about it, because ecology wasn't a big thing during no. the 60s. No, yeah, the thing that she was a terrorist in that kind of nature... Sort of certainly beginning a green pre piece, but, yeah. but not very far into it. So her, her claim to fame is that she's actually a biochemist and bot botanist um, who decided basically that plants were the more superior form of life. And depending on the variation of the comics that you read or the animated shows that you watch, um, her main ability is mostly to deal with poisons and toxins that... Um, her kiss was so was so was such that she would kiss you, and you would fall under her spell. It's the only time in which the dynamic duo ever, the dynamic duo of Batman and Robin actually butted head with each other because of uh, Poison Ivy. Okay. But later in incarnations of her, show her being able to actually control plant life and plants to create vines and trees and flowers that actually will wrap around somebody and like, strangle them. 
or lift them up into the air, you know, so kind of a plant uh, kinesis, I guess, is kind of the best way to describe that. Uh, Ah, we have Raz Al Ghul, who we mentioned before. He's over 700 years old because he is also, first off, he's also... How old is his daughter? His daughter is in the same age as Bruce Wayne. Okay. Um, she not she not like three hundred years older. No 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 no. So Raz Al Ghul is a eco terrorist who's been around for over seven hundred years. Uh, the way he has survived for seven hundred years is for through a series of naturally occurring, and I do mean air quotes, naturally occurring uh, pits of either lava, water, some sort of liquid um, that are called Lazarus pits, and basically you go into these pits at the age of like 60 and you come out around the age of 40. So they're restorative pools of water that make... Like a cocoon. uh, A movie. Yeah, I guess so, actually, yeah. Um, Almost kind of like almost the fountain of use where you go inside these pools, you you sit in there for as long as you can and when you come out, you come out either... You come out usually rejuvenated. You're a little crazed when you do, uh, but you come out uh, much younger as a result. Okay. Um, the Lazarus pits are also well known for actually bringing people back to life as well. So you can dip a dead person in there and apparently they'll come back to life. Uh, variations on the um, Jason Todd coming back to life have been through the Lazarus pit, as okay. an example. Okay. Uh, Talia Agul, which is his daughter, as we've explained earlier, um, is also a part-time lover of uh, Bruce Wayne and Batman. Uh, Talia Al Ghul is fighting for the same goals as Raz Al Ghul, but it's just a little less militant about it. Okay. Um, but she's usually, if, if Raz Al Ghul, if Talia is involved in anything, usually Raz Al Ghul is not too far behind. Okay. Um, you know, like father, like daughter. Yeah. Um, and the last keep one of... Keep it in the family. Yeah, absolutely. And then the last one of interest is probably going to be uh, Scarecrow. Um most well-known, uh, Jonathan Crane is a former Arkham Asylum psychologist as well who studies fear in people. Um, and he's created poisons and, and gases that basically induce fear um, in his subjects. Um, most notably, though, he calls himself Scarecrow because he dresses up like a Scarecrow. His mask that he wears while he's dressed up as a Scarecrow uh, allows him to negate the effects of his toxins and poisons, so he's not under the same effect. Okay. Um, and those are most of the villains of Keynote. Now, there's other villains um, that are out there, like Clayface, which is a... I remember Clayface. Yeah, so yeah. Um, he's a massive guy of, of clay that can basically shapeshift himself into any form. Yeah. Um, a lot of his crimes revolve around him trying to um, find a cure for his uh, clayness. Um, and, and, and again, I tell you the characters mostly because there's a lot of incarnations of the animated series and various other medias that paint these characters in different ways all the time. Um, one of my personal favorite ones right now is actually uh, the Harley Quinn series on um, DC's streaming network um, because it's Harley Quinn, Poison Ivy, and a couple other characters, including Clayface and uh, uh, Shark Man. I don't even remember his name. Um, and it's very self-prevalent at many times. It's actually quite cathartic and fun because it's like, okay, well, you've captured me. You're like a, a goon, right? It's like, yep, I'm a, I'm, I'm a three-star goon. 
It's like, well, you do realize I'm just going to kill you if I get out of here, right? And you'll be the first one to kill, right? It's like, oh, I can't let you go. Sorry about that. I don't want to lose my goon rating or anything. It's like, really? You have a goon rating? Yeah, I have a three-star goon. Once I get to four stars, anybody will hire me then. It's like, really? Yeah, I have a side job as a kindergarten teacher. It's very weird and funny like that. It's actually quite enjoyable to see a slightly more maniacal version of the characters that are very much played as like, like James Gordon, like Jim Gordon here at the end of the day is played off as being, um, uh, who he thinks is Batman is his best friend, and Batman is actually like, no, we're just colleagues. Well, you know, in right. that in that particular sense, and Jim and Jim Gordon apparently is like very nonplussed about this. Is very much like, no, we're best friends. friends. Like, no, we're we're not. We're just we're just coworkers, and he actually has a personal meltdown over that. So. Um, so, you know, I find it... Uh, well, I find, if you think your best friend is Batman, I mean... After and all. you talk to him all the time, and you, yeah. you have meetings with him, and like, sure, why not? Yeah. Um, so so we have some, we have some homework that I'm going to get okay. you. And the stories I want to... So the story, and so I actually thought about this for a while, and I actually didn't want you to watch the live-action Batmans. Okay. They're kind of too well-known at a certain point, and um, don't paint the richness of that is the modern version of the Batman mythos and everything. Okay. Um, and what DC's actually been doing here over the last few years is actually releasing these really great, every couple months, every like five, six months or so, they're releasing these nice uh, animated movies that usually focusing on like the Justice League as themselves or Superman and Supergirl or uh, Batman in a lot of cases here. They've released these really great stories you know, that reimagine some of the major events of the DC universe as their own self-contained stuff. So, um, what, so I, so one of the, so a series of them that got you here is one of them is Batman under the red hood. Okay. Uh, which is, is similar, which is, uh, tells the story of, uh, Jason Todd at the end of the day. Okay. Uh, we also have Batman year one, which is the, uh, first canonical year of Batman becoming Batman. Okay. And I thought, I thought that was very interesting at the end of the day. Um, and then we have Batman, which is uh, Bad Blood, which is uh, the story of Batman going missing and Dick Grayson becoming Batman for a while. Um, but then at the same time, I think it's it's probably the best to say that if we are going to watch one live-action movie, I would recommend The Dark Knight, the one with Heath, Le Heath Ledger as a Joker. It's probably the best Batman movie that there could be at all, and it'd be hard not to talk about it at all. Okay. Uh, so, so I'll watch that. Absolutely. So I have okay. I have that stuff ready for you, and I will give that to you. Okay. Um, and so that is our homework here. A lot of this can be seen on uh, Netflix in some cases and other parts on Hulu. Um, but just about, there's a lot of Batman material out there. Like there's uh, still stuff showing on Fa on, on uh, Cartoon Network. Um, Which it, is what I, what I accidentally caught it on. It was very interesting. Yeah. Um, there, there's Batman, the Brave and the Bold. There's and then I saw the Teen Teen Titans. Teen, Ti Teen Titans had a re had Teen Titans was a very popular series on Cartoon Network in the early 2000s, and they've brought back a more uh, humorous version of it. Is kind of a more uh, lighthearted version very, of it. Very tongue in cheek. As, yes, that that's a lot like what Harley Quinn is. Very tongue in cheek as well. So. I like um, that. Yeah, no. I, I think a lot of people would like Har the Harley Quinn uh, show on DC on DC's uh, uh, streaming platform. It's actually a lot of fun, I find. Okay. Um, so that's going to be our homework for this week. Okay. And so we'll put we'll put up all the show notes here because I got about like 
six pages worth of notes here. So I, I didn't skimp out this time. Um, we'll you put rarely all, do. So we'll put all the notes up on our pod, on our website at nerdtutorialpodcast.com as well as the podcast itself. Um, if you want to join us, continue with the conversation about Batman, you can visit us at uh, facebook.com forward slash nerdtutorialpodcast where we continue discussions uh, there with our Facebook community. Um, or if you wanted to continue the discussion and give me or get some new ideas for stuff, please visit us on Twitter at nerd underscore tutorial. Uh, where we are following all the topics that we have. We're going to add Batman on here now. Um, and so we're going to have all the cool topics that we're following along with. Um, so that way, if you want to ever catch anything we have talked about before, we have new stuff hopefully coming out on our web on our t- Twitter page. Um, and so on behalf of myself and my mom, we thank you so much for following along with us, and we'll talk some more Batman next week. Bye.